الحمد لله الحمد لله خالق الوجود من العدم وجاعل النور من الظلم ومخرج الصبر من الألم فملق التوبة على الندم فنشكره على المصائب كما نشكره على النعم ونصلي على رسوله الأكرم بالشرف الأشم والنور الأتم والكتاب المحكم وكمال النبيين والخاتم سيد ولد آدم الذي بشر به عيسى بن مريم ودعا لبعثته إبراهيم عليه السلام حين كان يرفع قواعد بيت الله المحرم فصلى الله عليه وسلم وعلى أتباعه خير الأمم الذين بارك الله بهم كافة الناس العرب منهم والعجم فالحمد لله الذي لم يتخذ ولدا ولم يكن له شريك في الملك ولم يكن له ولي من الذل وكبره تكبيرا والحمد لله الذي أنزل على عبده الكتاب ولم يجعل له عوجا والحمد لله الذي نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونؤمن به ونتوكل عليه ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا ومن سيئات أعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلله فلا هادي له ونشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له ونشهد أن محمدا عبد الله ورسوله فصله الله تعالى بالهدى ودين الحق ليظهره على الدين كله وكفى بالله شهيدا فصلى الله عليه وسلم تسليما كثيرا كثيرا أما بعد فإن أصدق الحديث كتاب الله وخير الهدي هدي محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم وإن شر الأمور محدثاتها وإن كل محدثة بدعة وكل بدعة ضلالة وكل ضلالة في النار قال الله عز وجل في كتابه الكريم بعد أن أقول أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم وإذ صرفنا إليك نفرا من الجن يستمعون القرآن فلما حضروه قالوا أنصتوا فلما قضي ولوا إلى قومهم منذرين قالوا يا قومنا إنا سمعنا كتابا أنزل من بعد موسى مصدقا لما بين يديه يهدي إلى الحق وإلى طريق مستقيم ويا قومنا أجيب داعي الله وآمن به يغفر لكم من ذنوبكم ويجركم من عذاب أليم رب شحر صدري ويسر لي أمري وأحل العقدة من لساني يفقه قولي واللهم ثبتنا عند الموت بلا إله إلا الله واللهم اجعلنا من الذين آمنوا وعملوا صالحات few quick background things you should know uh, or be reminded of so you can make the most of the ayat that we're going to talk about today. They belong to Surah Al-Ahqaf, which is the 46th Surah of the Qur'an. Allah has created two uh, beings that have choice. He's created human beings and He's also created jinn. And the conflict between human beings and jinn began with Iblis. But Allah tells us in the Qur'an that not all jinns are following Iblis. They have free autonomy also among them. Allah says that among they themselves declared that among us there are those that do wrong and there are other than those also. Uh, also in another place, actually, uh, they also have among them Muslims, believers. They also, and it's not as simple that some of them are believers and some of them are disbelievers. There are some people in between, meaning if they were given the opportunity to be presented with the truth, they'd accept it, which is similar to human beings. You can't just say either you're Muslim or you're an enemy of Islam. It doesn't work like that. You're Muslim, and, and those who don't believe come in different categories. There are those who, the moment they hear about the deen, they, their eyes start rolling with tears and they accept Islam, like Allah describes the Christians who came to visit the Prophet they even went as far as to say inna kunna min qablihi muslimin we didn't realize it they, they don't say that part but they say we were already muslim before this 
So they hear it and it connects with them so deeply that they say that we were already Muslim even before this, even though officially they weren't Muslim, right? Similarly, in, in Mecca, when the Prophet ﷺ was on the verge of engaging in warfare with the Meccans in Mecca itself, in the city itself at Hudaybiyah, right? And this was going to be different because it wasn't going to be on the battlefield. It was going to be inside Mecca. So this is warfare happening in the trenches of a city, which means there's going to be a lot of civilian casualties, unlike the battlefield where there's only people of war, you know, militaries on both sides, right? So Allah described, Had you not, had there not been believing men and women that you don't even know about, you've never known them in Mecca. So there are people that we're about to engage in war in that city, and yet there are people there that we don't even know. Allah says there are men and women that believe that you don't know anything about. That you will trample them. And then Allah even mentions that there are those that haven't yet believed, but Allah may make them believe later on. So Allah may enter into his rahmah whoever he wants. And mind you, this is a city that we've gone to war with in the seerah of the Prophet ﷺ, multiple wars. Badr is against the people of Mecca. Uhud is against the people of Mecca. Ahzab is when the people of Mecca come to Medina, don't kill everybody. And now this is the possible fourth conflict. Four times there's war situation with this city. And yet Allah says there are believers inside that you don't even know about. Right? So things are more complicated than just black and white. Oh, the Meccans are all disbelievers and the people of Medina are all believers. It's Allah does not, Allah paints a nuanced picture in the Quran, right? He doesn't want us to look at reality in black and white. The same thing is true of the jinn. They're not all black and white. Oh, there's good, there's the good guys and there's the bad guys. Life doesn't work that way. You know, everybody can have an element of good and bad. Now that's one thing that I wanted to, you know, bring to your attention. The next thing I want to bring to your attention is something the Prophet himself did, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, when, when, when Mecca, when he was, when he hadn't migrated to Medina yet, وسلم, the hostility in Mecca became so unbearable that basically at this point, it was a matter of life and death. And at, at that point, one of the points of desperation in the seerah, the Prophet وسلم, tried to, to see if he would fare, this message of Islam and of the Quran would fare any better in the city of Ta'if. So now he's leaving Mecca and he's heading to Ta'if to see if they'll respond any better. Right, And in fact, they do more wrong in a day than the people of Mecca had done in years. Right, So they're far more hostile than the people of Mecca. And the Prophet ﷺ is being you know, brutalized, he's being bullied, he's being, you know, he's being stoned, humiliated, and he barely escapes with his life. He's basically run out of the city for even opening his mouth about the Qur'an. And he's drenched in blood, his shoes are covered in blood. And he's in that state and he decides, Allah puts something in his heart that that's the moment that he decides to pray. So he hasn't even reached Mecca yet and he's praying sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in the wilderness by himself. And it so happens that what Allah did is in that moment, Allah decided to have a group of jinn which are in the unseen, they're invisible to us, right? They see you from where you can't see them. That's what Allah says. So he's praying and some jinn were passing by. And they heard him pray out loud. So they heard him recite the Quran. Some say this was Fajr time. Some, some narrators say that this was Fajr time. Allahu ta'ala a'lam. Now this incident is what Surah Al-Ahqaf, Surah number 46 at the end, is talking about. 
Okay, that's the background, and this is what's happening. When we turned towards you a group, a small band of jinn that started listening to the Quran carefully. So the nafar in Arabic, that's the word used for small band. I translated that as a small band, is less than 10 people, less than 10 individuals. So it's a small group of jinn. They're, you know, they're traveling around and they happen to hear the Quran. And Allah didn't just say Sami'ul Quran or Yasmaun al-Quran. He says, Yes, al-Quran. This is Bab al-Istima, Ifti'al. And what this does, this wasn't does in Arabic, is that they started listening to it very carefully. My advice to mothers that have children that are not feeling well is to take a walk with them, let them calm down, and then come back with them so that other people can listen to the khutbah also. And I don't want to, moms to you know, get stares from others at the same time. So be courteous to each other, inshallah, and may Allah bless the mothers and our children in our community. Anyway, so, So when we turned these jinn towards you, and they started listening to the Qur'an carefully. So this is the first time these jinns are hearing the Qur'an. This is the, the only time they've ever heard it, right? Beautiful words, like they're remarkable words. Then when they were in the presence of it, hadara is a few things. It's to pay attention to something. It also halbir means to be present, as opposed to ghaib, to not be present. So one of the ways you can think about this phrasing in the Qur'an is when they found themselves in the presence of the Qur'an. This phrasing is used when you find yourself in the presence of a king. When you find yourself in the presence of royalty. You, 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 you happen to be present in some remarkable place, which is way above your pay grade, you know? That's that's hubur. And this is the word used for when they got to hear the Qur'an. So you happen to be in this royal place where the sound waves are that of the Qur'an, right? And this is an attitude Allah is teaching us towards the, the marvel and the majesty of the sounds of the Qur'an. Just the, the, the Qur'an being heard. It's not background music. It shouldn't be that, you know, we all love listening to the Qur'an, but it shouldn't be that you're in your car, you're like, I want to listen to some Qur'an. So you put some Qur'an on in your car, and then you want to have a conversation with your friend. So you lower the volume of, it's still playing, and you're having a conversation, how's it going, this and that. You know, I don't listen to music, I listen to Qur'an instead. No, Qur'an doesn't deserve to be in the background while you're having a conversation. The Qur'an is too royal. It's all, I want you to understand the mentality Allah has taught inside of this word. It's like, if you were in the presence of a king, or the presence of the president, or the presence of, of a ruler, or the general, or soldiers in the presence of his commander, his general, this is not the time where he's going to turn to his friend and say, hey, while the general's talking, he's not going to, hey, bro, so what'd you do last night? How was your weekend? No, they're standing, you know, absolutely straight. Their eyes don't even wander, you know. This is the military's discipline. And this is actually something Allah teaches us in the prayer. So when we stand in prayer, we don't engage in conversation. We have this formation because we are in the presence of divine words. We're in the presence of Allah's words. And that's the phrasing that he used. And this, these people, these, these jinn, have never heard the Quran before, yet they were awestruck. But we, we just find ourselves in divine presence right now. So, falamma hadaruhu. And some of them weren't realizing that, you know, they weren't paying attention. They just heard sounds. Others caught it. And when they caught it, they're like, whoa, shut up, shut up, shut up. They told their other friends, they're just like guys when they hang out. You know, some guys are paying attention. And he was like, shut up, I'm trying to listen, man. Hold on a second. You know, 
They're talking to each other. And what do they say? Ansitu. Ansitu in Arabic is a combination of two acts. It's a combination of being silent and listening carefully. So it's sukut and al-istima' ma'an. Right? That's what's called insat. So when they say ansitu, it actually means, shh, listen. Guys, just stop, talk, stop, drop everything and just listen. And in this word, Allah has taught us a profound lesson. The Quran, one, my attitude towards it is it's something royal. It's something, it's something that I, I should be felt, I should feel honored that I find myself in the presence of it. It's humbling to be in the presence of the Quran. The second thing I should feel, that, that I should in, internalize, is that when it is being talked about, when it is being recited, then I need to silence myself and I need to just listen. Drop everything else and just listen. You know? You know what happens sometimes? Some of you are like, hey, I want to I wanna listen to some of the explanation of the Quran even. Forget not the recitation of the Quran is something else. But, uh, you know, I just want to listen to some explanation or even a recitation of the Quran in the car. Or you're listening to it and you, you know, and it's being played and your friend or your spouse, your husband, wife, whoever, in the middle of it, hey, so what do you want to do tonight? You know, you know what that is? I know you want to do this, but I want to do something else. Now, if you were watching like a, a TV show and she interrupted you or you interrupted her, it's all good. If you're listening to some news and, you know, and you're paying attention, and, you know, you don't care. You're like, hey, hey, so what about that text message? Did you answer that or whatever? You want to have some, it's all, it's all good because it's just you and them. But if it's you, them and the Quran, right, then it's not just you interrupting your husband's listening or your wife's listening. You're interrupting Quran. You understand? And that that's what deserves respect. It's not out of courtesy to your spouse or friend or whoever. It's out of courtesy to the Quran that you're just gonna really just shut up and just find yourself in the awe of Allah's words. And if you can't, if it's an emergency, hey, by the way, we have a flat tire, you're still driving. Or so it's an emergency. You know what? Sign language. You know what? You know what that indicates? That we have a, 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 a respect for the word of Allah. That even the jinn that heard it for the first time were able to demonstrate. You know, before we can benefit from the Quran, we got to have the right attitude towards the Quran. The Quran is not like any other book. You can just open it and you start understanding it. Allah doesn't open your heart to getting its guidance and its wisdom if you don't bring the right attitude to it. Listen. The Quraysh of Mecca, they knew way better Arabic than you and me, man. And they don't have to go and read a hadith or read when the surah was revealed. They're living it. They're seeing it live. And yet, their attitude keeps them from getting anything from it. You understand? You said the value of attitude, it's not just about knowledge. Oh, I can read the translation. I know what it says. It's, that's, that's for any other book. That's for your, you know, for your textbooks. That's for novels and articles or whatever. Any other subject is different. Quran is different. Quran's first requirement, prerequisite, is attitude. Those of you that are university students, when you go and take a course, they give you prerequisites. Here's the literature you got to know. This is, this is how much math you should know. This is how much this you should know. You know, what prerequisites did these jinn have? Did they study with the Prophet before, sallallahu alayhi Do they know usulul tafsir? Have they read al-itqan fi ulum al-Quran? That hasn't happened yet. They have no background. They have no background knowledge. All they had when they found themselves in divine, the presence of divine words, they had the right attitude. That's all they had. And that attitude is so valuable to Allah that he recorded this seemingly 
irrelevant conversation that a bunch of friend jinns are having with each other. He put it in the Quran. And you and I know the Quran is not interesting stories that have no relevance. Everything Allah says is for me. It's for you. That's why he said it. It's talking about you. It's talking about me. So what this is, is a, is, a, is a teaching in what attitude you and I as believers are supposed to have towards the Qur'an. So he says, When they found themselves in its presence, they said, be silent and listen. By the way, silencing your mouth is actually pretty easy now. But you know what's not easy anymore? Silencing your mind. Because we are so overexposed to media and we're so overexposed to information and now information is coming in smaller and smaller and smaller bite sizes, right? So maybe 30 years ago, 40 years ago, you know, which seems like ancient times, people were wasting time watching, you know, things that are two hours long, three hours long, you know. But now people are like, I don't have that kind of time. Just show me a TikTok video. This TikTok video is 59 seconds. That's way too long. Give, give, give me a laugh in 20 seconds. Let me move on, you know. Attention span is dropping. Our ability to pay it and, and, and our mind wants new noise, then new noise, and it's traveling, it's it's warp speed, it's just moving in different directions. And we can't just silence our mind and focus on one thing. It's actually for young people, it's affecting their ability to study and to concentrate in classrooms. And with COVID, when, when students are you know having Zoom classes, it's a nightmare because kids sitting in front of a seat staring at their teacher was hard enough when they were physically in a class. Now they're looking at this thing and they're trying to swipe the teacher up, you know, because he's it's still there. He's not moving. You know? <laughs> so the, 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 what I'm getting at is if, if this is the way that the world has moved, then don't you and I shouldn't think that that's not affecting our relationship with the Quran because the Quran does require silence and silence isn't just of the mouth. Silence is also of the mind. We have to put ourselves in a state of calm, a state of not distraction. Forget about the hundred thoughts that are racing through your mind. Let yourself fi find yourself in a calm state, a deep, you know, take some deep, relaxing breaths, and then engage the Quran. The Quran is not one of 20 multitask activities. You know, like on your laptop, on your, on your phone or other devices, you have multiple apps running at the same time. Your mind is like that. It's running multiple processes at the same time. Well, Quran deserves that you exit out of a bunch of them. So it's the only app running on your brain. It's the only one on your mind. And that takes some mindfulness. It takes actual taking a step back and deconstructing a lot of that concentration, that, that distraction, so you can give the Quran what it deserves. And then he says, And when it was done, meaning the recitation was done. And it's not on their schedule. The recitation was not on their schedule. The Prophet ﷺ is reciting. And it's not like, oh, they, I've heard enough. I need to turn back. No, they, they, they couldn't move until the entire recitation was done. They turned back to their people. They turned back. They said, oh, we got to tell everybody else. And they, they went warning each other. And they wanted to go and warn their people. Meaning, there was a state of urgency. This wasn't just, wow, that was awesome. That felt really good. Hey guys, what did you think? Yeah, I loved it too. I was just standing there listening. It was amazing. No, there was a call to action. 
this thing that they heard, these few ayat, they didn't hear the entire Quran. It's just a raka'ah of salah, or maybe a couple of raka'at of salah that they heard. That's what they heard the Prophet recite. And that had such a powerful impact on them that they felt a sense of urgency. Are all the people we care about need to know about this? They need to know. This is serious. This is not something we can take casually. Now, immediately, next step. They are now before their own people. They Because jinns can travel super fast, right? So they don't need to wait for a flight. They can take the flight themselves. So they go and they're in front of their people. What do they say? Ya qawmana, ajibu da'i Allah. Actually, before that, Ya qawmana, inna sami'na kitaban. Our people, we have heard a book, unzila min ba'di Musa, that has been sent down way after Moses. So even the jinn knew that back in the day, there was the revelation, the last book that was sent, the book that was sent, was the book given to Musa salam. By the way, why didn't they mention Jesus? Because the book that was given to Isa salam is an addendum, a completion of the book given to Musa salam. It's actually Torah and Injil are combined together. They're actually part of one, right? And it's the culmination of the revelation of the Israelites that is given to Isa salam. So it's actually seen in conjunction with and inseparable from the revelation given to Musa And this is actually the problem the, the, from the Quran point of view. That's the criticism of the Jewish and the Christian people. They separated the two messages, right? They separated the two messages. And the, the, the Christian people separated the book, which had the law, the Sharia of Musa They said the law doesn't apply to us. So they just want the Injil and not the Torah. And then the, 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 the Banu Israel, they held on to the Torah and they rejected the Injil. Right, so it's like it's like for from our point of view, it's like taking. I'm only going to take the Makki surahs. I'm going to reject the Madani surahs. It's like that, you know. So that that's what they had done. That's why here, in summary, you know, a book has come much after the time of Musa. You know, we heard a book that has come down after the time of Musa. It's confirming all the things that are in it. It has all the confirmation of what's in it. You know what this is telling you? By the way, these jinns are not Bible scholars. They've heard some things about the book of Torah, book of Musa salam. They know some things to be true. They know some of the basic teachings. When they gave the Quran a genuine ear, then immediately they didn't see a conflict with previous scripture. They saw that it confirms previous scripture. And this is a story that repeats itself thousands of times every day. There are people that are familiar with previous scripture and when with an open heart they read the word of Allah, they say the good that I knew from my scripture is being confirmed here. This is not a separate thing. I literally know of rabbis, rabbis that openly say Quran is revelation from Allah. Why they don't accept Islam or convert to Islam, that's a different story, but they don't hide from saying it. It's not even saying it in secret. They'll publicly say it. I, Quran is the word of Allah. It meets, it, it confirms what was given to us. They'll, they'll come out and say it, you know. So this, the, the, the jinns acknowledge that. And why did they, were, were they able to acknowledge that and not, not debate and argue? Again, it comes down to the right attitude. I'll conclude here. It guides to the truth. And it guides to a straight path. To a straight path. There are two things here that they said about this book. One, the truth. The truth is what you understand reality to mean. The truth is in your mind. But once you have the truth, that's not enough. 
Once you have the truth, now you've got to follow it, right? So there's knowing the path and following the path. And they say these two remarkable things about the book. This book is not just an intellectual exercise that guides us to the right ideas. That's not enough. It also guides us on what steps we need to take once we know these ideas. It's like it's the map and it's also the step-by-step directions, what to do and what to follow, right? And that's what we our attitude towards the Quran is supposed to be. This, this These comments from these jinn are so valuable to Allah that he deemed it in his wisdom that until judgment day, these words should be preserved so we can learn from them. Because if someone says, what should my attitude towards the Quran be? Maybe we should take it from the playbook of these jinn because it was worthy of being recorded in the Quran. This is what your attitude should be. This is what my attitude should be. So let's decipher that for a moment. Reality. Haqq in Arabic means two things. Or few things actually. It means purpose. So for example, Allah says, He created the skies and the earth with purpose. With purpose. So haqq means purpose. That's one of its meanings. Haqq also means truth. And haqq also means what is justified. What is justified. So it guides to a life of purpose. It guides me to what my purpose is. It guides me to what truth actually is. The truth of, of a situation. You see, our emotions can lie to us. Let me not speak to you in abstract terms. Let me give you a practical example. You're having an argument with a family member. And you don't like them. Or you don't like this situation. And you say some things about your uncle or your distant cousin. Whoever you want to talk smack about. right? And you hate them and you don't want to see their face and this and that. Or you hope this happens to them or that happens to them. You know what? Those are your feelings. You're entitled to your feelings. And that's what they teach you nowadays. You're entitled to your feelings. Your feelings are your ultimate truth. And people say, this is a fun thing to say. This is my truth. Right? This is my truth. Like, you could could put a possessive pronoun on truth. You know, you can't own truth. You can have your version, but that's not truth. That's your lie. That's not your truth. (laughs) Those are your feelings. But we've we've confused feelings with truth. Quran comes along and says, no, the way you're talking about this person, the feelings you have towards this person are unjustified. That's wrong of you. You're doing something wrong. And you can justify yourself in this life. You can argue and say, this is my truth. This is how I feel. And nobody can counter you. Nobody can humble you. Nobody can put you in check. But what are you going to do when judgment day comes? And Allah says, I gave you the truth. Why was your feeling a greater truth than what I gave you? Why did you surrender my words to your your impulses? Why did you do that? You know? That's what he says in this later on in the same ayat. He says, whoever doesn't respond to the caller of Allah, meaning the Quran being called to by the Prophet, the, the jinns are telling each other, whoever doesn't respond, they're not going to be overpowering anybody in the world. They're not going to be humbling other people with their, their you know, greatness. And they're not going to have any friends or protectors when they come before Allah, besides Allah. You know, they're going to have great punishment waiting for them. May Allah not make us from those people. So like when, when Allah says it's guiding to the truth, you know what that means? It's guiding me to see the lies I'm telling myself. Like there's a lot of things that I've surrounded myself with that aren't real. They're not, they're, they're lies. I'm deceiving myself or I'm being deceived by others. It shatters through all of that and it let me, lets me see what's right is right. So now I don't long, I feel good 
I don't feel good about following the wrong thing. I only feel good about following the right thing. And nobody can make me feel bad about following the right thing. Doesn't matter how much they cry about it or get angry with me. Allah is pleased with me. Yahdi ila al-haq. Wa ila tariqin mustaqim. And it guides to a straight road. A straight straight track. Tariq is used as opposed to sirat. You know, Fatiha uses sirat. We don't say ihdin al-tariq al-mustaqim. We say ihdin al-sirat al-mustaqim. Al-sirat al-mustaqim. At-tariq actually means a road that people have traveled on before. You know, like in the woods, when people used to go through the woods all the time, the grass dies and there's a natural path that gets formed, right? That, that path is called a tariq because it's been trampled on many, many times. It's guiding to a path that other people have followed before. That's what's implied here. What that means is it's not just telling me where to go. It's also telling me about people that took the same road too and what, what obstacles they had to face. And if I learn about their obstacles, I'll know what obstacles I have to face too. And that's an insight into the stories of the Qur'an. It's an insight into the history in the Qur'an. Why is Allah telling us about all these people? Because they had to travel a certain road. And you may not be in ancient Egypt, or you may not be in Madian, or you may not be in Babylon, you know, but you're, wherever you are, you're going to travel your own road, and you're going to find very similar obstacles to the kinds of obstacles that they had. This is, again, a change in attitude. Now, I'm not looking at the Qur'an as a bunch of stories. I'm looking at it as people that walked on a road, and I've got to walk my own road, and they had to face obstacles, and I'm going to find similar obstacles, and my response has to be similar to their response. This is a, it's a huge Qur'an orientation. I thought because we're only a couple of weeks away from the coming of Ramadan that I give myself and you a reorientation into the Qur'an. And the last thing that I want to share with you before I let go, I know it's, it's taking a bit long, but the last thing that I want to share with you before I let you go is as follows. The, the, Allah sent this book, this Qur'an, to be something that affects hearts and minds across the earth with no prerequisites. If you know absolutely nothing, you're most, most welcome to this book. If, you, if you're a scholar, you're most welcome to this book. I was actually in a gathering, I'm remembering, um, uh, in uh, Oman, Sultanate Oman. I was there for a program, uh, and it was a program of about 500 attendees. It was by invitation only, and most of the people attending were scholars. I was, the, I was one of the few non-scholars there. And when the program began, our ustad, our teacher, it was a Dora of Qur'an. We were going to do i'tikaf in the masjid. We're going to live in the masjid for a whole week. We're going to study Qur'an all day. That's what we were going to do, right? And he had prerequisites in the beginning. And he said something so powerful that I want to share with you. He said that there are people here that are, that are scholars. There are people here that are judges in Sharia court, meaning they're very high level of scholars. There are people here that have written books on Islam. There are people that are muhaddithin. There are people that are, that are, that are scholars of tafsir, etc., etc. But for this week, all of that that you have with you is here. But this week is not about here. It's about here. And it doesn't matter how much you learn here. This, we will come to the Quran like we've never studied it before. And we're just trying, we, we have to realize there are walls between us, our hearts, and the Quran. And our, this week, we're just going to try to break those walls between ourselves and the Qur'an. That's what we're going to try to do. And this was actually about attitude, because attitudes are formed in the heart, right? And we had conditions. There were, there were requirements. And part of the requirement was, you cannot tell where you, where, you know, what your qualifications are, or what you do for a living, or what your career is. We knew each other's names, 
we knew where we were from, but we knew nothing more about it. I don't know if the person I'm talking to is a taxi driver or one of them actually owned a couple of camels. He was a camel driver. And then, then and a couple of them were like judges. And you, and you couldn't tell because they were not allowed to say anything more about themselves. All we were doing was, how did this ayah impact your heart? That's all. That's all we did for a week. How did this ayah impact your heart? Let's recite this ayah together. Now let's discuss what we learned. But even when we discussed what we learned, we weren't allowed to quote a tafsir. We weren't allowed to discuss the i'rab of it or the ikhtilafat, the differences of opinion among the scholars. We weren't having an academic discussion. We were just discussing what does it do for my heart? What does this make me feel? How does this bring me closer to Allah? So I tell you one of the most incredible experiences of my life. This happened maybe two, three years ago. And you know what happened? I've been studying Quran since like 1999. And I felt like this was the first time I was studying the Quran. That's what I felt like. And you know what that told me? It doesn't matter how much you know or don't know. It, it does, that does not matter. What matters is you've made a decision to come to the word of Allah and let your heart feel the word of Allah. That's what matters. Once you bring that attitude, this will be a different Ramadan for you. That will be a different Ramadan for me. And there's no, all of the, the stuff you've done before that you have to leave behind. This is new. We're starting over again. I pray that every single one of us is able to do that and have a unique connection to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with his profound word. That we're able to reconnect with him in a way that we never felt before. And that we come to the book of Allah with humility. That we don't come to it with a know-it-all attitude. We don't come to it like we're going to, oh, I already know what this means. No, ya Allah, I know nothing. Teach me. Guide me. That's the, that's the humility I must come to this book with. May Allah make us worthy of the guidance that he has given in this book. And may Allah make the Qur'an a case for us and not against us on Judgment Day. Barakallahu li wa lakum fil Qur'an al-Hakim wa nafa'ani wa iyaakum bil ayat wal Alhamdulillahi wa kafa wa salatu wa salamu ala ibadihi al-lazhin al-safa khususan ala afdalihim wa khatam al-nabiyyin Muhammadin al-amin wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in Qala Allahu Azza wa Jal fi kitabihi al-kareem ba'da anakula a'udhu billahi min al-shaytan al-rajim inna Allaha wa malaikatahu yusalluna ala al-nabiyy ya ayyuhal lazina amanu sallu alayhi wa sallimu taslima Allahumma salli ala Muhammadin wa ala alihi Muhammad kama sallayta ala Ibrahim وعلى آل إبراهيم في العالمين إنك حميد مجيد اللهم بارك على محمد وعلى آل محمد كما باركت على إبراهيم وعلى آل إبراهيم في العالمين إنك حميد مجيد عباد الله رحمكم الله اتقوا الله إن الله يأمر بالعدل والإحسان وإيتاء ذي القربى وينهى عن الفحشاء والمنكر ولذكر الله أكبر والله يعلم ما تصنعون أقم الصلاة إن الصلاة كانت على المؤمنين كتاب المقوتة I have some important announcements after salah none of them have to do with fundraising